1: 2022 Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rodoviz content and tools and it supports the podcast channel. Now without further ado, here's the latest edition of the Rodoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Welcome in everybody, happy Tuesday of week 10. Yeah, that's right. We're at the double digit weeks. Of the fantasy football players championship in 2023 and we're in november welcome to november everybody uh before we get into the show once again i should introduce myself eric balkman from uh, the high stakes fantasy football or the fantasy football players championship and the better sports networks high stakes fantasy football show want to remind everybody that if you're looking for weekly action in the ffpc you can get it by going to myffpc.com. myffpc.com play the ffpc weekly challenge uh, in this contest, there is no draft. There is no salary cap. You just choose the players that you want to ride uh, throughout the weekend. Only one player per team. No stacking. You can play with a 10-player team uh, 10 player lineup if you want to go without kickers and defenses. You can play with a 12-team lineup if you want to play with kickers and defenses. Just get them in by 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday and enjoy those points piling up. Uh, you can enter for as little as $35. We also have uh, entry fees up to $200 and you can win up to $2,500 as well. Remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, comment on the video, and share it with your friends and enemies. Click that notification bell in the lower left-hand corner of your screen so you will get notified every time we go live, which the next time will be this coming Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network and on the FFPC socials. I'll tell you who's co-hosting with me this Thursday. It's going to be a fun one like tonight's show will be. Uh, This week, I'm proud to welcome in a multi-league champion in the FFPC over the years. He is uh, sitting in 28th place right now, heading into week 10 of the Fantasy Pros Championship as he is chasing a $1 million grand prize in the competition. Please welcome onto these airwaves, Mr. Mark (laughs) Davidson. Mark, welcome in, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Glad to have you aboard. (laughs) Montezuma's Revenge himself. Where did that name come from?
2: (laughs) You know, it just uh, happened many years ago in college and uh, just it seemed to make people laugh. So I stuck with it and I've had a lot of luck with it. And that's what it's all about, right? <laughs> yep. Like it, as
1: long as it's working, don't change yep. it yeah. as well. Um, tonight's episode. Yeah. Superstitious. <laughs> yes. In this episode tonight, we're going to try to figure out what the. Uh, I feel like we've been talking about this every other week on the show, but we get a new twist and turn in that Baltimore running back situation. <laughs> Uh, each and every week, we're going to talk about that. We're also going to think about um, and pontificate on and what it means and give you some actionable advice on Kenneth Walker and his recent poor performance uh, in uh, in Seattle, what that means for your fantasy lineups and much more. Remember RV Radio 2023 is your discount code that you want to use to get a listeners only 10% discount at rotobiz.com. So without further ado, Mark, let's kick things off. Congratulations on being in 28th place overall in the Fantasy Pros Championship. After nine weeks of play, certainly no small feat there. Um, I, norm, normally, we don't get into the draft a whole lot uh, at this point in the year on the show. But I do want to touch, touch on your draft a little bit because I was looking over it over the last 24, 48 hours or so. I noticed you were drafting from the four spot. 104, you go Tyreek Hill. Uh, coming back in the second round, 209, you get Jalen Waddell. You had a few opportunities to get Tua to Tungavailoa late. I'm kind of curious why you decided not to go with Tonga Bailoa
2: on a, a team where you stacked Hill and Waddle with your first two picks. Well, what happened was in the third round, there was a run on quarterbacks. Um, this year, to me, seemed like one of those years where you want to get one of those good quarterbacks. I've noticed over the last couple of years, uh, when you get the players like the Josh Allen, the Jalen Hurts, Uh, Lamar Jackson, they can make a big difference uh, basically rather than waiting until the 12th, 13th, 14th round to just grab somebody. So um, Tua is a guy that is a very good quarterback, but I was a little leery of because of his concussion history. And with the opportunity to grab uh, Josh Allen there in the third round, I felt I needed to do it. And at that stage, it kind of makes Tua a, a moot point.
1: And, and, and I think that's important too, because a lot of people will head into their drafts and they won't set out to stack, but if the opportunity presents itself uh, where you can stack late, it doesn't necessarily mean you got to be able to stack, right? Like you yep, can yep, go yep. a different direction, which is ex- exactly what you did with Josh Allen there too. And, and it, it's given you a unique team and you're in the top 30 of a million dollar grand prize chase uh, heading into week 10. So clearly you are doing something right there now. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of shares of Kenneth Walker, Mark, um, but the ones that I do, I've been a little perplexed of what I've seen the last couple of weeks. He is on your 28th place team right now. The last two weeks in each week, he's had fewer than 10 carries. What do you think is going on in Seattle in regards to Kenneth Walker? And as we look forward to this week, going up against the Washington Commanders, is Walker still a guy that, you think FFPC players still need to deploy
2: in their starting lineups? I do. Um, when I go back and look at the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, it's alarming how few plays Seattle's had. They had, I think it was 55 plays two weeks ago. They only had 45 plays last week, which is unusually low uh, for an NFL team. And, of course, last week was game script dependent. They were getting blown out. Um, you know, there wasn't really a whole, op- whole lot of opportunity for Walker there. I think – you know, coming into this week, Washington after their fire sale, um, I think their their defensive line is ripe for the uh, Seattle to get that running game back up and ramped up. And uh, looking at his his uh, touch stats versus the total plays in the game, I think he'll be back up over the twenty touches, uh, fifteen to twenty touches this week. So I'm not too concerned.
1: And and Charbonnet doesn't play into this at all for you, right? Like you're, no. you're like whatever Walker is going to do, it's going to be independent of Charbonnet.
2: Yep, exactly. In my in my opinion,
1: um, a guy I do have a lot of shares of this year uh, is Raheem Mostert, um, <laughs> and and I wish I had more of Adam Thielen, as I'm sure everybody who's playing in the FFPC or high stakes fantasy football, the KFFPC, what have you, they wish they had more shares of these guys. Your team that sits in the top thirty of the Fantasy Pros Championship right now. 12th round pick, Raheem Mostert, 13th round pick, Adam Thielen. Now, I'm gonna ask you what we missed on these guys as fantasy players that you figured out. But you yourself let these guys slip to round 12 and round 13. But you were actually smart enough to grab them there. But I think this is this is a good question to ask at this time of the year, Mark. Like when we look towards drafts and we'll have drafts in the FFPC starting in January, what are the traits? What are what are the aspects? Of Mostert and Thielen that we missed on this year, that we have to be cognizant of, uh, cognizant of not necessarily with those guys in 2024, but players like them, so we don't let big time fantasy values like this slip past the 11th round again.
2: For me, it was production. Um, the thing about Mozart that was really surprising to me is how far he was dropping even though he was going to be the starting running back and, you know, everybody kept talking about, Oh, they, you know, they, they draft a running back early. Um, that's going to be the heir apparent, but most has always been a real productive runner when healthy, you know, kind of a modern day Arian foster. Um, so, you know, when, when I got to that stage of the draft and I'm looking for depth, I'm, what I'm trying to do is find people that, um, are going to have some value to me at some point and a starting running back in round 12 has a lot of value to me. Um, the thing is Mozart has been a lot healthier this year than even I would have expected. So I've really been fortunate on that. And then for Thielen, the thing is, he's just, he's a, a smart, kind of a Wes Welker type of plug and play receiver. Um, he's a quarterback's best friend When I looked at that Carolina lineup, I'm looking at basically potentially their wide receiver number one with a rookie quarterback in an offensive scheme that is probably going to try to find, you know, the short routes that are going to be safe. And that's what Thielen um, really thrives in. So I just, again, 13th round pick, I got a receiver who potentially could be a target hog. And again, that's kind of come to fruition. I've kind of lucked out with that.
1: I think the, the thing that we take away from this is, and, and both things, obviously, to, to all of us right now, Mark, this seems so obvious. Oh, we should have, we should have seen this coming with, with Mostert and Thielen. But I think the thing to take away is what you said about Mostert, what you said about Thielen. We should not be looking for this in rounds 12 and 13 next year. We should be looking for this in rounds eight, rounds nine. So we get a jump on this to make sure we're collecting all these guys as much as possible. You know, the thing is, if you end up winning the million dollars in the Fantasy Pros Championship, I know the first two jerseys or two of the first jerseys you're going to be buying are most certain feeling because of the way they're trending this year. Um, But that's the thing. It's like we're always looking for for that edge and then bumping up what we know about players like this a couple of rounds the the following year so we can make sure we're getting on that gravy train before it leaves the station. Um, Cortland Sutton is another guy I want to talk about, and I do have him on a couple of teams this year. You, I I looked at your teams uh, earlier today. You're heavily invested in Sutton. You have Sutton on a lot of teams this year. He's sort of been, and I think he's outperformed his his draft position this year, Um, borderline uh, second wide receiver on a week-to-week basis. What did you see about him? um, And maybe we can expand this and talk about the Broncos offense compared to where it was in 2022 to where you thought it would be in 2023. But what was it about Sutton that made you think, okay, This is a guy based on where he's going in drafts right now. I got to make sure I get him on a lot of teams.
2: Well, I'm a, I'm a big Bronco fan born and born and raised in Denver my whole life. Um, Huge, huge Bronco fan. And ever since Russell Wilson came over uh, there's just been a lot of, a lot of talk about him and Cortland Sutton have built a really good relationship. I I know Judy's there. Um, And you do hear talk about Judy being, you know, one of his favorite targets, but Sutton's always been that guy that I keep hearing that is the safety blanket for Wilson Uh, this year with Sean Payton being the kind of offensive mind that he is and the offense that he ran in new Orleans Sutton kind of takes on the Michael Thomas role.
0: And I read a lot
2: of stuff about, you know, how he helped develop Michael Thomas. And again, where Sutton was falling in the drafts um, a starting receiver, who's got potential to be a, you know, a, a number one or a number two receiver, uh, falling that low, I just thought it was a no-brainer to have a guy like that on my team, either to start or to have in case of injuries. And
1: and he's been paying off. That's the thing. Um, I, I think that something that we can go forward with too, Mark, and, and I'll let you weigh in on this. Um, when you talk about offenses in general that, that underperform a certain season, you've seen this. I mean, you've been playing for forever. <laughs> yep. The following year, everybody's discounted. I mean, it is a sale on everybody. This year, Williams, and I know Williams was dealing with the ACL tear from last season, but Russell Wilson, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, I mean, like all these guys you were able to get at a discount, and and I think that's important to keep in mind for next year too because it's going to feel weird drafting some of these players that stink this year or at least coming from offenses that stink, but that can be the difference between a good team and a great team in high-stakes fantasy football the following season.
0: We're driven by the search for better.
2: Well, there's also a reason that they stink. Like last year, Denver had significant offensive line injuries. Mm-hmm. And some of the players that they had were just, they were garbage. <laughs> um, you know, and when you bring in Sean Payton and you're bringing in a new scheme, you know, you know, there's going to be an uptick, but the the value and the drafts on these guys, they were falling. And when you can get a chance to get people like that to fill out your roster, um, you know, even having Cortland Sutton as your wide receiver for um, – that's a, that's a benefit.
1: Um, Kate, Kate out. let's talk about uh, tight ends here for a second. Kate Otten was a guy that I know high stakes players were talking about even prior to the 2022 season. And he had his biggest game um, of the season uh, this, this past week in week nine against the Buffalo bills. Kate Otten, uh Goes uh, not, I uh, beg your pardon. Not this past week. It was the week before, right? Yeah. I think it was the week before my apologies on that. But Kate Otten is a guy that um, a lot of people drafted, um, hoping that he would turn into something for a few weeks, or maybe he'd be solid enough if you got him as a backup if your starting tight end went down or anything like that. Um, This week he gets the Tennessee Titans, which has kind of been a Jekyll and Hyde defense this year. Um, We are dealing with buys again this week here, Mark. Kate Otten in the tight end premium scoring Fantasy Pros Championship is he a guy that you would look to try to get into your lineup as a second flex?
2: I would. Uh, what I see is there's a relationship building between him and Mayfield. There also seems to be a lot of injuries with the Tampa receivers; mm-hmm. they, they just can't seem to be healthy. And he is—he is the uh, kind of the safety valve. Um, he's getting between six and nine targets every single game, and when you have that out of a tight end, that's a pretty. Pretty valuable uh, player. I, I and I misspoke too. the The previous week um,
1: was the Bills four for twenty seven. This past week was that massive, insane game against Houston, where uh, Kate Otten ended up getting nine targets. Six of them uh, were caught for seventy yards and two touchdowns. There's some upside here, especially when you consider Chris Godwin kind of was quiet, two for sixteen. Mike Evans four for eighty seven, but that included a fifty three yard catch. Baker Mayfield clearly trusts Kate Otten, and certainly FFPC players should probably start trusting him as well. Um, shifting the focus to running backs here for a second, I know I've been kind of all over the place, but the Bears running back situation Khalil Herbert maybe would return this week if the Bears are playing on Sunday. They are not, they're playing in the Thursday night game against the Carolina Panthers, which means. He probably, and I'm kind of just speculating when I say this, I don't think he's coming back this week against Carolina. So if we know this and we know that we can get one more week out of the Darrington Evans, Deontay Foreman, Roshan Johnson triumvirate, is Foreman the type of guy that you would be willing to deploy as your second running back or as a flex play this week, Mark, to try to squeeze that last fantasy goodness out of him? before Herbert comes back next week. And as a, as a second question to that, once Herbert does come back, do you envision him being the bell cow right away? Are we looking at sort of a split timeshare for a couple of weeks before Herbert
2: gets back into the swing of things? With Foreman, um, I think this is the last week, depending on, you know, your roster situation. Um, if you need a player, I would be comfortable using him. I think this is the last week I I was kind of looking at Carolina's defense, uh, you know, they allow over 130 rushing yards a game. Uh, clearly, Chicago's going to – they're at home. They're going to want to run the ball. I think that's a, a good setup. After this week, I think all bets are off. Um, you keep hearing that talk about Roshan Johnson. Uh, at some point, he, they're going to give him the opportunity. Mm-hmm. He's, just, he's just too good. Um, Herbert's too good, too talented. And I think it's going to be a three-way committee going forward. And I, I just don't think there's going to be much value for anybody in that going forward after this week. And,
1: and, and that's the tricky thing. Like we, we get sucked into knowing that, okay, this let's start the starting running back here. This is kind of something that I was facing last week in one of my leagues where I had the opportunity to pick up Keontae Ingram because he's probably going to be the starter, but it's a bad offense, bad quarterback play, <laughs> um, and going up against one of the toughest defenses in the NFL in the Cleveland Browns and I shied away from it. And I'm glad I did, but this is one of those things too, where Mark, you got to fight temptation and understand that just because a guy is the starter um, maybe makes it more valuable to roster him on your team, but not necessarily deploy him uh, to deploy him in your starting lineup. If you don't have to. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Kyler Murray, speaking of the Cardinals, sounds like he's coming back this week. He has been taken off the pup list. Uh, Jonathan Gannon has already said he's going to start this week. Um, no, no Joshua Dobbs, no Clayton Toon. Clayton Toon taking a, a backseat to, to Kyler Murray this week. A um, lot of moving parts here. They are going to be at home against the Atlanta Falcons. Number one, if you are missing anybody on a bye uh, at quarterback, is Murray a guy that, that you would feel all right with starting his first week back? And number two, what Cardinals become viable starts in, in week 10 now with Murray throwing them the ball as opposed to
2: Clayton Tune. I've always been a big Murray fan. Um, I would be real apprehensive if I had other options, um, you know, with the, the bye weeks this week, having some of the big, big quarterbacks out. Um, if you have Murray as your only other opportunity, I mean, yeah, I would plug him in there, but I I'm always leery when these players come off the injuries, um, they just don't have a lot of practice time. Uh, Arizona's already struggling. And then, you know, Atlanta is just kind of a mess of a team to play with. You know, they like to run the ball. Uh, they have kind of a lower game speed. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. Uh, Arizona just seems to be a mess. Uh, a lot of injuries. I wouldn't expect a lot out of them. Um, if I was looking at one player, I'd probably target Marquis Brown. Uh, he's the one guy that they seem to have a good relationship. Uh, they're, they're kind of on the same page. I would take a chance there, but outside of that, I would kind of steer clear of it, give it a couple weeks, um, let him get you know get, get his game legs back under him and uh, see how he starts adjusting with his team and what the offense does. Uh,
1: the, the opponent that they're playing this week is the Atlanta Falcons, and, and I, I want to touch on them just briefly here. Um, I don't really fault NFL coaches for not caring about fantasy football. They shouldn't. They, they should be coaching to win games. Um, and we're just sort of like trying to figure out what they're doing, trying to figure out what the players are doing. That part is on us. What's frustrating to me, and, and I don't really call out coaches, but Arthur Smith has been a guy I've called out a couple of times within the last few weeks. Um, he has a guy in Kyle Pitts, uh, three guys, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and Bijan Robinson. Um, that to me should be doing a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, Bijan Robinson is like on a milk carton when the Falcons get into the red zone, which I don't understand. Um, I, 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 I guess I kind of understood the Kyle Pitts aspect. Ah, he's super young. He's a tight end. It's a tough position to transition to once you get to the NFL. Well, he's transitioned and, and he's still not getting uh, enough touches. I mean, Johnu Smith, for whatever reason, is getting more looks in that offense, including when, when the Falcons had it inside the 10 this past week, they gave Johnny Smith two touches inside the five-yard line over Kyle Pitts and, and over Bijan Robinson. When Pitts and With Pitts in London, I, I guess I kind of rationalized it, and I was like, all right, I get it. We can't count on these guys all the time. But, man, when you invest a premium pick like the Atlanta Falcons did and Bijan Robinson, and this guy is being underused by Arthur Smith, and Arthur Smith seems to bring up, I, I, I put this on X, like for a guy who hates fantasy football or doesn't care about it, he sure likes to bring it up a lot in his press conferences. And and for, for me, the, the, the thing is like you're four and five, dude, whatever you're doing, it ain't working. Maybe you should try to work these players into your offense more. Now he's not going to listen to me. And why would he? I'm just, I, I host podcasts. It's I'm not a coach of the NFL, but at the same time, when we look at starting our lineups and submitting our lineups every week, Mark, and this is going to bleed over into 2024 during draft season, if Arthur Smith is still in charge, we have to start taking into account the way the Falcons offense runs under this current head coach. And as a result, break ties in your weekly starting lineups against Atlanta Falcons. Downgrade Bijan Robinson in your draft next year because of Arthur Smith. I think that's the only fair way to do it. How do you feel about this situation that's developing in the dirty South?
2: <laughs> Make room on your soapbox. I feel the same <laughs> way. I, I can't tell you how many teams last week I had Kyle Pitts with Dalton Schultz sitting on my bench. Oh. <laughs> it, and, I know better. I think the only person that is less vested in, or the only person more vested in Kyle Pitts is his mom. I mean, I just—I've <laughs> been all over this guy for years, and I three for thirty-two, two for twenty-nine. It's—it's it's maddening, um, and I'm about to that point too, where I'm about ready to step off the bandwagon and start making smarter choices instead of going with—I mean, what's clearly should should be happening. You should be utilizing those. you, you spend a top draft pick. On Bijan Robinson, you spend a, a very high draft pick on Kyle Pitts. Um, that's not the kind of usage that you spend those kind of draft picks for.
1: And, and I'm surprised, as, as hands-on as it seems, Arthur Blank is. I, I'm I'm a little weirded out the fact that he's not putting more pressure on his GM, more pressure on his head coach to get these guys more involved. You know, it's one thing if you're if you're doing if you're not utilizing these guys and you're you know, six and three or, or even five and four or anything like that. You're four and five. Something's got to change. Hopefully it changes for the better uh, going forward in Atlanta. Yep. Um, the, uh, the thing I talked about at the top of the show, Mark, is um, over the course of the entire season, I feel like I brought up the Baltimore Ravens running back situation quite frequently, and it's always been different people. First it was J.K. Dobbins. Then we talked about Justice Hill. Then we talked about Gus Edwards. Now this week we're talking about the long-awaited arrival, of one Keaton Mitchell. Keaton Mitchell looked awesome last week, uh, had uh, a really long touchdown. And the great thing about that long touchdown, we saw the impact that his speed can have on the game. This is speed that Gus Edwards, Dobbins, Hill, they just don't have. Um, When you look forward, and I know you have Gus Edwards on a bunch of your teams, I'm invested in them as well this year, to the the point of understanding what you're doing on your Gus Edwards teams and, and how you're trying to figure it out going forward, how concerning was it to see Keaton Mitchell do what he did this past week, knowing that you're trying to figure out if Gus Edwards should be a starter or a sit every week?
2: <laughs> very concerning. And, again, where I got Gus, Williams, or Gus Edwards in a lot of my drafts, um, he has more than served his purpose. Um, he's been very helpful, you know, and that's what the waiver wire is for, to make sure your roster stacked for injuries and stuff like that. Um, I was really concerned when I saw how many – how many plays he played in last week's game. Um, he took a 50% cut in snaps. Um, am I ready to, to, to jump on the Keaton Mitchell bandwagon? I, I probably, I probably wouldn't just based on what he's going to cost um, free agent wise and what could potentially happen there. Cause they just always seem to have that three headed monster. Plus you have Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. um, I don't see him as somebody that I want to spend, you know, a hundred or 200 or even more as the star of the week or the free agent pickup of the week um, only to see him fall by the wayside and get two touches next week or, you know, be inactive.
1: When, when you, uh, for those leagues that Mitchell is out there, and this will come into my, my second question right now, or my next question I should say right now, I don't know. I, quite frankly, I don't know the ownership of, of Mitchell in FFPC leagues. I probably should have looked that up before I came on. But have you looked to see um, how many of your leagues he is available in? And have have you thought about a percentage um, that you're looking of your remaining Fab to, to be getting him on your teams? Not necessarily just your 28th place overall team in the Fantasy Pros Championship, but your other teams in contention as well. It
2: looks like he's available in pretty much every league. Okay. Um, the, the thing is, I. Don't think what I would be willing to pay is going to be enough to get them. Um, And look at kind of how the free agency seems to work. Uh, When you have these rising stars on a week, there's always somebody that puts a, you know, two, three, $400 last gasp effort. And I don't want to throw that kind of money on a guy that I'm not, not sure is going to be the main guy. I just, I don't think my bid... What, I, what I'd be willing to bid, maybe 10 15% isn't going to be enough to get him at any league.
1: I, and, and, you know, it's it's one of those things, too, where, like, for people who have not spent a lot of their money, this is the perfect, you know, th- this is what you're looking for this yep. late in the season. If you have 60%, 70% of your bidding dollars left, um, you're going to see a lot of people go all in on, on Keaton Mitchell this year, rightly or wrongly. And, and if you want him, you're going to have to bid up on him. I am kind of with you. I, I like to make some keep them honest bids um, in my KFFSC leagues, Mark. Um, and I don't think I'll necessarily have to because I think he's going to go for some some buku bucks this yep. week uh, for sure. What are some uh, besides Mitchell? Are, are there any other players that you're focusing your your uh, attention to in order to upgrade your rosters this week besides Mitchell? Who are some of those
2: other players that we should be thinking about? You know, it's interesting. In a couple of leagues, I did find Elijah Mitchell was still out there. That's a guy that I would probably try to pick up just to have him because he's one of those players that if something happens to McCaffrey, he could be a, a league winner, you know, or he could be somebody that puts you over the top in a couple of weeks. Um, I was looking at uh, Juju or even Noah Brown uh, based on their production the last couple of weeks, and you know, for New England. Losing Kendrick Bourne. Uh, he seems to be a player that is going to get more targets and, and somebody that if I'm in need of a receiver that I can count on, I think he'll get, you know, some decent amount of targets. And same with Noah Brown.
1: DeMario Douglas pretty much taken everywhere yep. in your league. Last week, yeah. Okay. Yep. okay. I, I kind of like the last couple of weeks, I've had people telling me DeMario Douglas, DeMario Douglas. You know, basically ever since like e- even the week before Bourne tore his ACL, people were talking this guy up. And I know a lot of people grabbed him before Bourne. And then, you know, that's that's where the discount was, right? Because if you tried to pick up DeMario Douglas after Bourne towards ACL, you were paying a uh, sticker price and then some yeah. on DeMario Douglas uh, for sure. As I look through my list here, um, uh, you know, uh, Jalen Tolbert uh, in, in Dallas, this is a guy who for the majority of the year has been playing behind Brandon Cooks and, and Michael Gallup. Is there anything there or is this a player that – you don't want to waste one of your roster spots on. You'd rather have one of those injury away type uh, running backs uh, instead of Jalen Tolbert.
2: I would hold off just based. Dallas has too many things going on there. Um, And he could be one of those feast or famine one week, but I don't think he's going to be somebody that's going to get in there and put up some big numbers and be a difference maker. Um, I'd rather wait and hope something happens um, where I have a lot of money and I can get one of the Like last year, I think it was Zonovan Knight. Yeah. I had a lot of money in a lot of leagues, and he was a big help at the end of the year, and I was able to outbid people to get him.
1: Um, Khalil Shakir, this is – um I, I think both these guys are taken. Are you more likely to want to start Khalil Shakir or Gabe Davis going forward? I, I would, would do Shak-
2: Shakir. <laughs> it just – for whatever reason, he just seems to have – a better relationship with uh, Josh Allen right now, and Gabe Davis just, just seems to be falling off the face of the earth. I um
1: I I, I think that we are going to look back on this season, Mark, and and we're going to think this is the year the rookie tight end um theory that that they can't perform their first year breaks. Yep. Um, Laporta has been fantastic all season. I think. Um, the Packers offense, we have seen it at its worst this year. I think Musgraves only going to get better. Now, I don't think he's going to threaten to be like um, you know, a, a top 12 guy or anything like that by the end of the season. Um, but I do think he's going to get better, and he's going to be a guy. That he's already rostered everywhere, but I think he's going to come on late. And then Dalton Kincaid, my God, Dalton Kincaid, what we are seeing from him the last few weeks, it has been flat-out unbelievable. Um, when we look at drafts next year, I almost think that, with the rise of Laporta and Kincaid and potentially Musgrave and, and Michael Mayer, who'll be in his second year next year. I wonder how that's going to change the tight end landscape when we try to see how players like yourself are attacking the tight end
2: position in the tight end premium FFPC. Uh, You know, I'm kind of excited about it because I've been, uh, I've been trying to go tight end heavy or grab a a good tight end early. Um, Kelsey, uh, Andrews, I have those in quite a few teams. I think it's important to get a good tight end, and there always seem to be the tier one, you know, the mid-tier, which includes Waller and Pitts, um, and then there's the afterthoughts. And I think next year there's going to be seven or eight guys that you're going to want to try to get in the first three rounds to make sure <laughs> you have a solid tight end. I'm excited yeah. about
1: it. Yeah, I, I, I'm very excited too because I think we could we could finally see – I don't want to say a level playing field, but there's been so emphasis on getting so much emphasis on getting a top three or a top four guy. And next year, I mean, how far does that go down? Top seven? Top eight? Maybe more. I mean, we'll see. Plus, we got another crop of, of tight ends coming in next year. I don't think it's all that great for rookies, but you never know what will happen on that. Before we can get to 2024, we have to polish off 2023. Let's talk week 10, 2023 here, Mark. A sleeper? Uh, that you think not a lot of people are thinking about that maybe they should be looking at starting this week, as well as a player that's probably going to be started in a lot of spots by a lot of FFPC players that you think that that you're a little bit nervous about his production and what it's going to be this weekend.
2: The one guy I was really thinking about, I've been reading a lot this week, and everybody's kind of poo-pooing Tony Pollard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just he is he hasn't scored in a long time. He hasn't had a decent, you know, really decent game in a long time. Um, Everybody's kind of looking at that giant, uh, the giant game is going to be a blowout. So, you know, maybe not as much playing time, but I think Pollard is ready for a real big bounce back game. Um, In terms of players who everybody's probably going to want to start that I'm a little leery of is uh, um, Jones from Green Bay. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I have a lot of exposure to him. He finally came through last week. But, you know, Pittsburgh's defense is pretty stout, especially when playing at home. Um, that Green Bay offense is still a mess. And uh, I, I just I, – it, it worries me. I just uh, – I, I can see a 12 or 13 carry for 30 yard and two or three catch game and five or six fantasy points.
1: Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about both these players. Um, I'll, I'll start with Aaron Jones. Uh, number one, I think this – last week in week nine was the first time we saw him at full strength since week one. Um, He was either hurt or they, they were holding him back as far as a snap count goes because they didn't want him to re injure that hamstring. Um, Number two on that little bit of a red herring because he did it against the Rams defense, which, you know, Aaron Donald aside is a pretty bad defense. Um, The one aspect of, of Aaron Jones that makes you feel, warm and fuzzy about him or as warm and fuzzy as you can feel about Aaron Jones. Um, he makes that offense go. That offense is literally nothing without that dude in the backfield. And I think Matt LaFleur finally got it through his head that like, look, this, this offense, we're not going to put up points unless it's through Aaron Jones. And he got a ton of volume last week to your point, Mark, that was against the Rams. This is against the Steelers uh, total in this game is low. The Packers are an underdog. It's not a great game script uh, for Aaron Jones. I I will say that I I think he gets a full load of a full workload, which is going to be good. uh, If you have Aaron Jones, is that going to translate into fantasy points kind of with you? I think it's a quiet week for Aaron Jones this week. Pollard on the other hand, I just looked at this. So Tommy DeVito is the starting quarterback for the giants this week, right? Rod Taylor on IR Daniel Jones on IR. They signed uh, Jacob Eason to the practice squad. But it's going to be DeVito taking on that Cowboys defense in Big D. The Cowboys open up as a 10 point favorite in that game, Mark. They are now a 16 and a half point favorite with a total of 38 and a half. If Pollard's ever going to do it, this is the week. This could be his signature game of the season. I think if you have them, you're, you're starting them for sure. Um, for those teams that are loaded at running back, and maybe you got lucky on the waiver wire or injuries or whatever and, and Tony, Tony Pollard has not been a slam dunk for you, the, don't overthink it this week. Get Pollard in there. Don't think about it. He's going to have a big week.
2: That's what I think.
1: I, uh, I love the Pollard call. I love the Jones call, and I love the conversation we had tonight, Mark Davidson, the 28th place team owner in the Fantasy Pros Championship. Not your only team in, in both that and the main event. I know you got several teams in contention. Trying to make it into the championship round. I wish you nothing but uh, the best of luck. I hope the ball bounces your way this weekend and hopefully you bring home that that million dollar grand prize, not only in the fantasy pros championship, but the FFPC main event as well. Thank you for the insight, my friend. We'll do this again real soon. All right, thank you so much. You bet. Mark Davidson, ladies and gentlemen, hopping aboard the Road of Is high stakes slowdown tonight, 28th place overall in the Fantasy Pros Championship. Uh, that's going to do it uh, for tonight's show. We will go live again uh, Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, seventh place team owner in the FFPC main event. Bill Wonky, is going to join us uh, on or join me on the program next week. That'll be a blast. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Show is live at 7 o'clock this Thursday night on the Better Sports Network and the FFPC social channels, including YouTube, uh, X and Facebook. 4 for 4 is John Daigle will hang out with me for two hours. We'll take you right into that Thursday night game between carolina and chicago high stakes fantasy football hour goes live at 10 o'clock this friday night with kffsc commissioner farrell elliott and myself we're going to be speaking to the co-owners of the third place team in the ffpc main event that's peter putzo and paul we will both be joining us we'll have a jam-packed friday show with four people on i i don't know how farrell's going to get a word in edgewise but somehow he always seems to uh, go to myfpc.com to play the FFPC weekly playoff challenge or the weekly challenge right now, playoff challenge will be coming up uh, next month. We'll get that open, but yeah, the weekly challenge, myffpc.com, no draft, no salary cap, just choose your team, no stacking on these teams. You can only choose one player per NFL team. You can play with kickers and defenses or without kickers and defenses. Just get them submitted by one o'clock and watch those points pile up as you try to win as much as $2,500 each and every week in the FFPC Weekly Challenge at myffpc.com. Enter for as little as $35. That's myffpc.com, myffpc.com. Remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, uh, comment on the video, share it with your friends, share it with your enemies, and get notified anytime we go live, which will once again uh, be this coming Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern time, right here on the uh, FFPC YouTube channel. As well as the Better Sports Network with myself and four for four's John Dagle. Thank you so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. If you're downloading this later on rotoviz.com or anywhere you get podcasts, we appreciate it. Mark Davidson is the man. We will be back next week with Bill Wonky. Be good, everybody. And I hope the ball p- bounces your way in week number 10.